Amen. If the children are still in here, kids up to the sixth grade can make your way out if you've not already. Kids up through the sixth grade. Everybody else, if you'll turn to Luke 23 in your Bibles, please. Luke 23. And just a couple words. I want to say thank you for those who had a part in the breakfast this morning. Some of you um, were able to come early and enjoy a nice Easter breakfast at 8.30. I did talk with one other pastor this past week about breakfast at his church, and he said, we used to have sunrise, but nobody came, and uh, so they do it a little bit later as well, and we're thankful for those. I tasted the food, and it was great, and I can tell by who had a lot of biscuits and gravy this morning by who falls asleep out there right now. I can already tell. Um, Just a note, I don't usually say this, but maybe you've got a friend in a different time zone that's going to send you a text message saying, Happy Easter here pretty soon. If you don't want your phone to beep or go off or whatever, you can put it on uh, manner mode or vibrate or whatever you do with yours. That'd be appropriate at this time. I'm going to take this time to encourage us uh, with a challenge from God's Word, and then we're going to sing some more as a congregation. And of course, we're going to be blessed with a wonderful uh, cantata this morning. As we are in Luke 23, I do want to stop again and ask for God's clear involvement with our time. Would you pray that with me at this time? Heavenly Father, we come apart from the world, from our regular places, whether that be school or job or um, our spot in the home or whatever that might be, to this place with a church family that is gathered together with the purpose of glorifying you. We thank you that we can live a life in our respective places that glorifies you. But we also thank you that on this day, as we know the word of God instructs us, that you seek after the worship of your children. May we worship you as the word of God is open now and we learn. May we worship you with our hearts, with our tongues. We ask that you be very clearly involved with every part of this rest of the service as you already have been. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are some things that individuals can come to you and say to you that will automatically elicit kind of a mixed response. You're not quite sure how to take that. Every once in a while, I will have someone come to me and they will say something like this. They'll say, boy, you remind me of somebody just like that. And that is one of these statements because you're not quite sure how to take that at that point, are you? Maybe you've had that experience where you're talking with a couple and they elbow their spouse and say, doesn't he remind you of? And they say the name of a person that you have no idea who they are. And what's your first question when they do that? In that you're saying to yourself, well, what are they like, right? You know, I mean, are they, are they like, uh, you know, Gomer Pyle from the Andy Griffith show? Or um, are, what are they like? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? And that can be curious when people say things like that, especially if they don't tell you what that person is like, then you are left to kind of fend for yourself on knowing what that person was like. And you're hoping they were someone that's good, someone that they like, a positive comparison. I want for us today to ask ourselves how much we are like a particular person that is in the story of the work of the cross. And it's going to elicit maybe some mixed responses from you because the individual that I want you to compare yourself to and ask more than one question, by the way, the individual I want you to compare yourself to to is one of the thieves on the cross. The thief on the cross that had a conversation with Jesus Christ 
who would turn to him in his final hours. And so I would ask this question, do you have anything in common with that thief on the cross? More specifically, and I'm hoping to get us to this point as we look into Luke 23 today, ask yourself this more challenging question. What do you not have in common with him? Now, don't allow yourself to go to the place where you're not a criminal that's you know, being killed for your actions. That's not what I'm talking about. But specifically, when he encountered Jesus Christ, there was something that happened to him that I'm going to suggest you have nothing in common with at least as far as you know. We're in Luke 23. I'm going to read verses 39 through 43, where the Bible says this, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, now I'm going to bring us back to our question. From this conversation that this criminal had with Jesus Christ, what do you not have in common with him? This thief, in this very unique position, he knew not only that he would be with God forever in God's kingdom, but he knew the very day that he would go to be in the kingdom of God. Let me ask us a couple questions for our day today. First of all, do you know that one day you will be in the kingdom of God? Do you know that? It is the most important question that you can ever ask yourself. It's a question that will plague individuals. It's a question that will drive some when they are approaching maybe a sickness or death to weep because they are not confident of the answer of this question. And so if you catch nothing else today from what we're going to be doing through song and through the ministry of the word, bring yourself to this most important question, will I be in the kingdom of God someday? But then let me ask this question, if you already know the answer to that one. Do you know which day that will be? Do you know which day you're going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ? As we look at this thief and as we look at this theme, we're going to focus on the fellowship that we can have with God. And there's a couple kinds of fellowship. One is this eternal fellowship that has been opened up to us. This is the idea of the kingdom. But I want us to be encouraged by the fact that there is another kind of fellowship that comes through the work on the cross in just a few minutes, we're going to have the choir sing and we're going to see some individuals in the drama. There are going to be some players from the drama that are from a long time ago and there are some from a contemporary period. And it is very likely that you may be able to connect with one of those players in today's time frame. Because while they came to Jesus Christ, they didn't just focus on coming to Christ and then think about eternity in the kingdom. They came to Christ and then they allowed that relationship to define them. 
They had, in a sense, a little bit of paradise opened while they were here in this world. And I want to remind us today of the incredible blessing of the years that you have been given that this one on the cross was never given. Now I know some of you, I know some of you because I've talked to some of you, you're a little bit jealous. You're a little bit envious of this one who within a few short hours was going to be in heaven. And I've said that myself. I said, don't cry for me if I die. I'm with Jesus. I'm in a better place. Don't cry for me. And that is true, and that's a wonderful assurance. But having said that, am I in the kingdom of God right now? Yes or no? No. Is that God's plan? Is that God's good plan? I have to accept by faith that it is. And you need to accept by faith that it is God's good plan that if you know him as your personal, Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's a reason why you were not taken out of this world. You are here for a specific reason. And it's Easter. We celebrate the empty tomb. This musical special on the pianos was beautiful, wasn't it? I was listening to that song uh, yesterday. And uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful testimony and a beautiful arrangement there. The empty tomb means for every one of us, everyone that follows Jesus Christ, that we will have paradise open to us because of the work on the cross. Now let me go ahead and bring us back to Luke 23 here. And I want you to remember a couple things. First of all, when we find sin coming into the world, we see that there were several things that happened. There was the major problem of sin present and needing to be dealt with. So there was guilt of sin, and there had to be a punishment for that sin. That was one of the major things that we've already focused here on Calvary, at Calvary on that point this Easter season. But something else happened when sin came into the world. Something horrible. Paradise. The access to God, that sweet, beautiful access that Adam and Eve had every day, it was cut off. They did not have that fellowship that was so sweet, and it must have been such a, a wonderful life. I don't think we can imagine it very well. You know, I've seen wonderful artists and movie makers and artistic people try to recreate parts from the Bible, sections from the Bible. And maybe you grew up in church and saw some kind of a picture of Adam and Eve in the garden before uh, sin came into the world. You know, and they're always very creative because Adam and Eve were, of course, naked there, right? And when we hear that word, it almost makes us a little uncomfortable today, right? And they've done a good job portraying that and covering them up with branches or leaves or whatever it might be. I think it's impossible for you and I to understand how sweet and beautiful this time they enjoyed having fellowship with God was. It was beautiful. It was something that was so amazing that we see for them. But when Adam and Eve made the choice to know what evil was, they could not stay there. There was a separation at that point, and they were driven out of the garden. And not only were they driven out, but there was no way back. Do you remember what God put there to make sure they did not come back? What was it? Remember what the guard was there? It was an angel, right? God made sure that they could not go back. And as we study the whole of the Old Testament, we find throughout the Old Testament that the story emphasizes this exclusion. It talks about this separation throughout the Old Testament. 
one picture that gives us a, a wonderful representation of this separation that was there. It was, both, um, it was both represented in the tabernacle and in the temple. But when we look at the temple and where they would go to worship, we know that there was this huge curtain. Here's a picture of what it might have looked like. A huge curtain in the temple. And as this curtain was there, it was very heavy, and it screened off an inner area in which, don't miss this, this was an inner area where God's presence was manifested. So this is the place. But man did not have access to it. We know there were about a dozen curtains in the temple, but this curtain was the most important because it separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And even the best of God's followers could not go in that place. This was where the presence of God was known to be, and so man did not have access. Only the high priest, and only one time a year, and only for the purpose of making a sacrifice, and then he would leave. This is the picture that we are given in the Old Testament of the separation of God and man. And throughout the Old Testament, we find this longing even with our creativity and technology today, we can't understand what it was like for Adam and Eve to have that fellowship. And we find there is this constant longing to have back what Adam and Eve lost. And now we fast forward. We look at what Jesus is going to do. And they talked about the kingdom of heaven on a regular basis. We find the criminal on the cross mentioning that here. And Jesus had had that conversation before. He had had a conversation about his kingdom. And I don't know the extent of this criminal's knowledge of the kingdom of God. My guess is, is that he thought similar to others. Even Jesus' followers who were privy to his training and access to him all the time, even they thought his kingdom was going to come right then. So when this criminal gives this request, God, let me be in your kingdom, I'm not exactly sure what he meant. But I am exactly sure what Jesus Christ meant when he answered this criminal. I've got good news, Jesus would say. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and paradise is going to be opened. And because of this, citizenship to heaven will be given to all who would like to receive it. And so on the cross, Jesus finds himself in the middle of these two criminals and these two criminals are paying for their own crimes, and rightfully so. And they're paying with the most horrible kind of death and punishment that man had been able to come up with. And as death draws nearer and nearer to this one criminal, we find he has a change at some point because at the beginning, they both mocked Jesus Christ. If you've studied the accounts of the crucifixion, you'll see that. Both of those criminals mocked Jesus at first. And it is amazing that as we are drawing closer to the end of our life, which every one of us is, how things might come to a different perspective. And at some point in there, there's a change within one of these criminals. And he turns to the other criminal on the other side, and he talks to him. He says, do you not fear God? And then he turns to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the beautiful response in verse 43, Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. And you and I do not have the privilege of that, whether it's a privilege or not. 
Someone just yesterday or two days ago told me, think of all that he missed out on not being in this world and able to serve. And so I want us to think on this. Jesus makes known to this man, that don't miss this, he is about to transfer from being in the absolute most worst environment that man had to offer, could put together, a crucifixion. And within hours, he is going to transfer into the most wonderful environment that man could ever know. And here's what he had to do to get that. He simply had to ask. And the doubters and the scoffers will say that is ridiculous. There's no way in the world that that is what is right. And even within something, within every one of us, there is something that says this is not right. We need to earn something. We need to do something. And I would suggest to us that if you're going to go that route, if you're going to say that I am going to earn the favor of God because of what I did, you are making null the work on the cross. That's why Jesus had to die. And so the darkness comes. And if you look in verse 45, you will see that the curtain in the temple is torn right down the middle. This is the divider that represented the separation between God and man. And so I would say to us on this day, could God have been any clearer? That old banishment that was there ever since came into this world, the banishment from his presence is over and entrance is opened. And the fellowship with God is available through the forgiveness of our sins because of what's taking place here on the cross. This is what godly men and women had dreamed about for years. And just in case you've never connected this before, the very first one to get in on this new way was public enemy number one. It's a beautiful picture, really. And if you will be honest with yourself, you will understand that you are not forgiving either. He got in first. And you can get into this fellowship as well, this fellowship in eternity. But not just that, also the fellowship that what Jesus offers you today. Jesus tells us, in essence, do not think that you're going to have to face a judge when you are done with your time in this world because I have paid for your sins. And so our drama team is going to come and our choir is going to come and they're going to sing to us just in a moment. But before we do that, can I just bring you back to that question? That question for you. Are you jealous of this criminal on the cross? Now don't say it out loud if you are because I've already kind of insinuated this the wrong answer, okay? So don't say it out loud. Some of us are closer to that day than others. Some of you think you have a long time before you breathe your final breath. And so you're going to wait before you make that decision. Can I encourage you today that making that decision is not just about eternity, but it's about your today. It's about the purpose of why God has put you in this world so that you could use the creativity and the gifts that he has given you to encourage others so that we could earn rewards Working for our God, it is not a mistake. And in a little tiny sense, paradise is opened when we are used by the Holy Spirit in some beautiful way. And so are you jealous of this thief? Or do you believe? And by the way, just saying yes doesn't mean you believe it. It's your actions 
that tell if you believe it. Do you believe that it is God's good plan to have you in this world working for him, serving him? This is why God has saved us. And I, want, I, and I, I know heaven's gonna be better, okay? Don't misunderstand me. I get it, I'm looking forward to it. Pearly gates, streets of gold, I can't wait. Having said that, I will wait. And I will wait patiently. And I will run the journey, the work that God has given to us. And if you don't know what this is, you need to figure it out. If you haven't asked God to forgive you and turned your life over to him, you need to do it today. If you have that knowledge, that understanding, maybe you did it in years past, but you're not living in this way, there is no better way for you to live than in this way. This is why God has made you. You were created for better things than you fill in the blank of whatever your God might be. You were made for better things than that. God has so much for you. And it will be my prayer that if you do not know him, that today, Easter Sunday, 2017, would be the day where you know him or the day where you get serious about him. It'll be an easy day for you to remember that was when I got serious about following Jesus Christ. Would you stop with me and we'll pray one more time. Let's bow and pray. Father, it is truly wonderful to know you. And I don't think that we can very well know the fellowship of your sufferings. It's hard for me to say that out loud. But Heavenly Father, there is no doubt that we will go through times that confuse us that will make us not to want to be in this present world, but we trust you, the giver of life, that you will be the one to take us home when you are ready for us, and we trust you to use us in incredible ways until then. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.